When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast, Confessions of a Creative Director, the original podcast made by a creative director for creative directors, for aspiring creative directors, really for any creative professional looking to up their game. This is your podcast. Welcome. I am your host, Jaime Cabrera, a veteran, seasoned, grizzled creative director of many years. And if you don't know by now, I am on a mission to help bring up the next generation of kick-ass creative directors. That's why I do this podcast, and that's why I've written my new book, which is right there, What's the Big Idea? An Indispensable Guide to Becoming a Kick-Ass Creative Director. I want to do my part to give back and uh, help create the next generation of creative directors, so be sure and pick that up. Um, And you can also help out by subscribing to the podcast, telling all your friends about the show. And if you would, follow me here on LinkedIn for lots of fun tips and tricks, all kinds of musings, creative musings from yours truly, and uh, just interesting stuff that you can use. On today's show, I'm super excited to have two wonderful gentlemen, Andrew Furtado and Dave Heller from Major in New York City. Uh, Major is a really cool shop. They're going to tell us all about it. It's really the brainchild of these two creative geniuses who are doing creative work for all kinds of brands. And I love their motto, which is, the boring will not be forgiven. And they're truly living up to that motto in all the work that they do. They've also taken one of my principles uh, to the next level. You know, I always talk about us creatives creating more things for ourselves. They've created their own brand. Uh, It's a brand of plant care products called Drugs for Plants. They're going to tell us all about that. And they're on a mission, too, to help creative people. They've written a book called Handbook for Hacks. So without further ado, let's get into it with the guys from Major. Dave and Andrew, you magnificent bastards. (laughs) How are you guys? We're doing great. Doing good. You guys are looking. You guys are looking all dapper. I like the. Uh, I like the the, the red uh, the red shirt, and you got your your lumberjack uh, shirt going on over there. You know, you guys are looking I, very festive and ready for the season. Yeah, we try. We try. We also occasionally end up wearing the same things unintentionally. So today, you know, we made sure to be distinct. Yes, and I and, love it. and who would be? How would we be Brooklyn creative directors if we weren't wearing shackets? At all times, it is. I think part of the job. I think you're you're required to. Yes, that is that is part of the job. As a matter of fact, I've I've jokingly said, and I, I think I'm going to do it at some point, is create like a, a place called Creative Director Warehouse, where you sell nothing but 
but shackets, black t-shirts, Converse, yeah, jeans, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the glasses, and maybe just turn it into a whole thing. Because I think uh, I think it's definitely a, a look. It's the law. If you're a creative director, you have to do it. So uh, maybe we can we can partner uh, on that. But you guys have so many things going on. But before we get into all that. Just if you wouldn't mind, let's do a. Uh, you guys do a quick uh, introduction. I'll let you guys decide who goes first, just so the audience knows uh, who uh, is saying what. For yeah. sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, once again, I'm Andrew. Uh, I came up in advertising, doing it for about ten years. Started in Boston at Havas Digitas, back to Havas, made it down to New York after that and worked at Possible where I met Dave. He's uh, my art director partner. I'm a copywriter by background. Um, we met working on Wild Turkey for a bit and uh, left that job like five years ago at this five? point. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I went to run marketing at a healthcare startup, and then a couple years after that, we started Major, which we can get into more, but I won't yeah. monopolize. And uh, I am Dave, obviously, uh, art director background. I actually started my career in Connecticut at an agency called Colangelo before getting into Saatchi and Saatchi, breaking into the New York scene. And then, yeah, <clears throat> as Andrew mentioned, met at Possible, and then from there, I freelanced a bunch. Uh, bounce around at a bunch of different agencies from Virtue to RGA, Arnold, a few others. And yeah, then we kind of figured we could do something a little more formal together. We always did side projects together. Yeah. Um, but uh, it wasn't until we landed a Japanese shochu brand that we decided to formalize major and, you know, really take it from there. Yeah. So let's talk about. Uh, major, we're gonna we're gonna audience buckle up because we're gonna talk about all kinds of stuff. We're gonna blow some shit up, but but these guys have a lot of things going on. But let's start with with the the core, which is major. Which I don't I don't know. I, I would love to to hear your description of it because it's it's I would say it's sort of a new a new take or a new approach to the agency model. So why don't you tell us a little bit about major, what you're all about, how you're set up, how you're you're built, and uh, you know what you're all about. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it kind of came, like Dave said, we had both when Dave and I were out in the ether, um, we had someone come to us and be like, we have this Japanese spirit. Uh, we don't have a bottle. We don't have a brand. We don't have anything for it. Can you make all those things for us and help us launch it out into the world? And me and yeah. Dave were like, yeah, we can do that. We know how to do those things. We can do we those can things. Do yeah. So made the brand, made the bottle, flew to Japan, shot the launch campaign. I crashed a drone. Dave waded through Japanese rivers in the mountains. Uh, and it, when we got on the other side of that experience, we are like, I think, you know, we've worked for these big holding company agencies. I think we have the skills to do this for ourselves and do it in a better way. And so as we thought about it, that was sort of the conception of Major. We were like, let's make a smaller agency that still keeps the caliber of the work high but is nimbler yeah. you know we're able to staff up based on the projects we have which i think is so key because it allows us to really keep the thinking unique we can go to people all over the country we can go to people with non-traditional backgrounds which i think is really yeah. important i think like too often the feeder system for agencies is super cookie cutter and that ends up with work that's cookie cutter and we we're just like if yeah. we're going to start our own shop we got to make work that we're 
super passionate about. We are not going to grow for the sake of growth. We are going to grow at the pace of the work that we want to make. And that's really been our story the last three and a half years. Yeah. I'd say also, I think over the course of our career in other agencies, you know, a lot of our ideas would get picked and we started to realize, you know, People want that big agency thinking without that big agency overhead. And so right. as Andrew mentioned, how can we create a model that is more nimble but also staffs up as needed? You don't have that crazy overhead of a, sta- of a full-time staff. Um, so it really allows us to be selective with what type of projects we work on. Um, but also, as Andrew mentioned, bring in people from all over the place who aren't maybe from traditional backgrounds to create some really you know out-of-the-box kind of work that we love to do. Yeah, and so... Again, it's it's the two of you guys, and then you bring in the people that are going to be uh, best for the role. You can be more selective, and you know you really c- c- sort of control um, what what you want to be doing, which I think is just awesome. And and can I come over there and <laughs> you may, maybe be the the the, the third uh, majorette, as it were. <laughs> Um, We're always down. Yeah. All right, all right. I'm I'm, send, I'm gonna send you my uh, my portfolio. Um, all right. So, since you do have, uh, you know, you've created your own thing, but you also kind of came up in the traditional uh, through through you know the IPGs and the WPPs and all the big holding companies and all that. Has your description of what a what the role of a creative director has that changed how do you guys see the role how would you describe it i love metaphors i love you know analogies how would you describe the role of being a creative director and 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 has it shifted from where it started Hmm. that's a really interesting question to think about in sort of the contrast between the bigger world and, and kind of the smaller agency that we are now i think as you think about the creative direction within that larger sort of advertising factory situation being the creative director becomes about like ruthless efficiency right it is like mm-hmm. i am telling you what to do so you execute within the margins that we can make sure we deliver under budget you know like that is what like the creative director role becomes it's like sort of like a drill sergeant or commander and it just becomes like very hierarchical and instructive uh and really gross <laughs> it, it definitely can be yeah uh, but in reality, you know, a good creative director, it should be bringing out that talent, bringing out, you know, what the best in people. And as Andrew mentioned, sometimes at those bigger shops, you know, it does get a little bit more cutthroat and a little bit more uh, systematic instead of providing that creative leadership that you might need um, to bring out the best out of people. Yeah. And what I love about the way we're able to creative direct is it becomes about you know, helping people understand what they're capable of. Because at the end of the day, a real, like a true creative, you know, the best ideas are going to come from them pushing themselves and them believing that they can create great work. And if you can, instead of sort of being like, make this blue and write the script this way, if you can sort of guide people towards the answer but not give it to them, you're always going to get a unique perspective, a unique point of view, probably something that you as the creative director wouldn't have thought of. And that's the beauty of the business. That's the beauty of this process. And so that's how we like to think about creative directors. We are like guiding you towards the thing that we know we can sell, but we want you to take so much pride in what you're making that it can become great based on your own talent. And I think that that, you know, we're shepherds, if you will. 
I think that ultimately it, it's all about that point of view. And if we can get people to hone their point of view or use us as a guide, but then surpass us and really bring something new to the table, that is, uh, that's the dream. Yeah. And so now how do you impart, um, you know, in, in, especially in the model that you guys have, how did, then do you impart sort of your special sauce you know, onto the, the folks that are that are working with you. You know what I mean? Like, how do you, because obviously people are coming to major because of you two. Uh, you just talked about how when you're, when you're guiding, you're sort of shepherding. How do you shepherd and provide your kind of secret sauce? Does that make sense? It's kind of a tricky question, but. No, it does make sense, right? Because we want clients to know the type of work they're going to get when they come to us, right? So it can't just be anything goes. But I right. think when we think about the filter for major, I mean, you know, if you, if you go to our website, if you listen to us for any more yeah. than five minutes, like our rule, our rule, it, number one rule is the boring will not be forgiven. I love I that. I love that, by the way. I'm not sure how you're how you're punishing people, but I, but I love but I love that. It will not be it will not be forgiven. We're writing down. You're, you probably have a list of uh, of uh, names down there. But anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just love that that the boring will not be forgiven. I love that. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 something that it can feel earnest, but we truly truly believe it, and it's the thing that. We hold ourselves to, I hold Dave to, but also we hold every piece of work that comes out of the agency to that standard, and that becomes the forcing filter because we don't necessarily want to make things that look like they come from the same people every time, but we right. do want the consistency to be, holy shit, this is a thing I actually want to look at, and too often, the work in this industry is not that. So like, yeah. if we can clear that hurdle, I think... We're already ahead. That's something we talked about, talk about all the time, how everything starts to feel copy and paste. It feels exactly the same. And so this idea of the boring will not be forgiven. Like Andrew said, it's our first gut check. When we get a brief, it's a final gut check. We keep ourselves accountable. If it doesn't reach that standard, you know, it can't go out the door. Um, and that's really been our North Star. And it's really helped guide us throughout, you know, every client we take on, but also every piece of work that we, we make. That's cool, and and I think that um, you know having it, it's it's a great north star, and it's great because it's so simple and it's so under understandable. Does that? I'm just curious. Does the whole? Um, uh, I, I love seeing like briefs, right? Like different agency briefs. Does that whole? Does that factor into your brief? Like, do you have a section in the brief that says something about you know not being boring or? Uh, you know, do you address that in the brief at all? Or is that just something you just have that internal filter? Or you, you probably, you have, you just gave me a look like I cannot divulge that information. <laughs> if, if we show you the brief, we might have to kill you. Yeah. That's all right. If that's the answer, that's the answer. You know, it's interesting. I mean, I, it, it, does that line go into the brief? I don't think so, literally. I think our number one rule that we tell people when we work with them is don't be boring. It is always the rule. We tell that to clients. We tell that to our employees. We tell it to ourselves. Um, but as I think about the brief, I don't know that it's that different than any other good brief, right? I think that to not be boring, you have to yeah. know what people care about and what's going to get their attention and what's going to resonate with them. And like, so mm. we take that audience insight portion of the brief super seriously. And as we think about even channels or deliverables, it has to go through that filter. Like, will anyone give a shit about this? Like, will the people that we're trying to talk to 
find this boring or interesting. And like it, it really like we come back to it as we test like and think about each aspect yeah. of the process. Yeah. I think it's really easy, uh, you know, being in the industry to think that people actually care who are consumers. And you know, there's even that first hurdle that no one gives a shit about advertising <laughs> first and foremost. So if you're going to follow up with something that's not even fun or exciting or makes people think and is boring, like you, you, there's no way you stand a chance out there. So yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, sort of your creative process. Um, what are your, do you have some guiding sort of um, principles or some ideas that sort of guide the way that you lead your creative uh, process? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And something that we've spent a lot of time thinking about this year, we started uh, in January, we started teaching at Miami Ad School, um, teaching how to have ideas uh, for them, and, and we're in our third quarter of that at this point, and it really forced us because obviously, you know, we've been doing this for 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 a while, but we had never really put to paper mm -hmm. that process and really kind of defined it in a way that we could truly teach someone with no background in the industry whatsoever how to do it. And yeah. so, what's been so fun about the class is it, it, you know, we're we're teaching these you know these people new to the industry coming from all different backgrounds, all different ways of thinking too. Um, and we feel like we were able to really hone in a solid process. Yeah. And I mean, to your point, it would, it's one thing to try to teach someone who has a couple years experience when mm -hmm. someone is so fresh, so new to the industry to take these ideas, principles, methods, and distill it to the simplest simplest way of describing it. it it was a real challenge but like you said it was so rewarding and also exciting because we had never really done that before we just knew how we worked we obviously had some guiding you know principles but until we wrote it down into this 10-week uh, course you know we had never detailed it out to that that length so it was really exciting to see it it was even more exciting to see it be received and uh applied throughout the courses and see how it uh, affected the work from the beginning towards the end um, for each one of our students. Uh, but it also, yeah, led to a few other things that we've been working on as well. Is yeah. that now? Is that what I think? What we were talking about previously is that handbook, the handbook for hacks. That's handbook for okay. hacks. There it is. So we have never, yeah. yeah, we never thought we would write a book. I mean, not that we wouldn't, but it wasn't until probably three semesters in where we were like, or two semesters in, we we're like, this is really valuable information. Absolutely. This is great for these students, but also anyone trying to break in the industry or just understand how advertising works. Uh, and so we basically took that 10 week course really went through, broke it down into three kind of main sections, um, an overview of how advertising in general works. I think it's really important for people just starting out to understand, you know, the reason why you're creating creative work. Right. And that is to solve business problems. And there is a marketing funnel and there's a lot of steps that come before you even come up with an idea or make anything. And the terms and jargon that people will use day to day, um, just giving them an insight into that world so they have a better understanding standing. Uh, and then we get into creative methods, which yeah. I think, what did we narrow it down to? Got four, uh, four methods. Four, like, And we four, really yeah. kind of went through, we went through all the work that we'd ever done. We went through like our own process. We also went through like as many historical campaigns as we could could look at and we found that like every campaign that we could find fell into one of four buckets. It was hmm. one of four ways, type of ideas, if you will. And so we mapped out these four different distinct ways of making a concept and then we created a just a nuts and bolts 
ask these questions, take the answers, turn the answers into this, here's what a concept statement is, here's how you turn it into a campaign. Um, and just like, it's, it's not the only way to do it, but it's way better than a blank page, right. and it's a way to get you started. And I think yeah. that's what's so fun about it. Absolutely. And we'll have to do, if you're open to it, we'll do a little a little trade. I'll send yeah. you uh, yeah. my book. I'd, I'd love to um, look at that. But you know what's interesting, and, and I was just talking to an, um, uh, Dan Nelkin, who wrote a book called uh, Self Guide, Self-Help Guide for Copywriters, and mm. he said something that was super fascinating, which is we don't do enough – we don't – think enough about thinking meaning mm, mm. He, he he proposes like you guys do that you really don't understand um how, how you do things until you actually sit down and like think about it. like how did we get here yeah and you know until you sort of finally commit it to paper and understand how you got there and then you know that's makes it so much easier in your case to teach people like this is mm -hmm. how we do it and to your mm -hmm. point this isn't the only way right but right. this is a, a way to get into it and then you make it your own right like in my book i talk about this is just a guide i'm just trying to give you an overview and if you disagree with me and it prompts you to write it down your way then hey that's, i still succeeded right that's great yeah. yeah it's it's truly the name of the game i mean even the name itself being hacks we didn't go to traditional portfolio schools uh i think that's something we really want to make people aware of it's that there is no right way to do anything you know right uh, and so that if anything can be taken away from this book uh is that this is a starting place but where you take it where you take your point of view ultimately um, is on you. Yeah. And are you guys still, uh, you guys are still teaching there? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's cool. And it's, and, and your, and your course is, you said it's 10, it's how long is it? 10 weeks? 10, Ten weeks. weeks. Uh, okay. Plus yeah. Ideas first, really teaching how to come up with that, uh, conceptual idea. Three hours a week. It's their yeah. first, it's, it's a very, it's the first quarter class and we get them into the trenches immediately it is <laughs> i think it's a little bit of a shell shock for them we have them coming up with like 15 concepts a week with three executions per concept and they're like oh my god really? but it's good it's like it's you got trial by fire and then they can start to really put into practice the different methods that we're trying to get them to try out and um they also, we have heard it might be some of their favorite classes, or maybe not. They also know. say it's the hardest. Yeah. I don't know. Like what? Do you guys? Rewarding. Yeah, we'll take it. Do you guys? Do you guys like put on the you know the sport coat with the with the with the patches? On the uh, you know on the elbows and like have a pipe or or how do you how do you transform into uh, in, into sort of instructor mode professor yeah. mode and is it weird is it weird you know being yeah, in I, that uh, <laughs> I I wish it was uh, as as fun as that it's very much the same situation here we're at this table and um, I think the one thing we found in that teaching at least for me is just being approachable is first and foremost letting that guard down that there is no right way to do creative work and really trying to get people as comfortable as possible. Right. And that we're right alongside them, trying to help them and teach them uh, to bring out their best. Um, I think that's what we get across in that first, first class of this, of the semester. And it kind of just opens people up from there. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, it's also like so key. We've noticed this in every single quarter. Someone or more than one person has come to us like on the side and just been like, I don't, 
I don't think I'm cut out for this. I don't think I'm like the kind of person that can actually do this work. And so we've learned it's super important to just be like, there is no type of person to do this work. Like we, I still feel that once a week, like it is okay. And just like demystifying that is like super important and doing it early on and making sure that they're like, listen, this is, this is work. And if you can find the joy in the creative process, you will have fun for the rest of your career. But uh, there's no one who's born knowing how to do this really well. No. Yeah. It's something that you just have to have to uh, experience. And, and But obviously these things help, right? And, and that's, uh, again, what I'm trying to do and probably what you guys are trying to do with the book as well is just like just trying to give you, a, just trying to give you stuff to think about and consider and, and, and try. And then, you know, you're going to have to figure it out um, on your own. If you had now kind of flipping the, flipping the, uh, the script a little bit. What do you wish that you would have been told or, or learned before you guys became creative directors? Is there, is there something that you wish you would have known? Oof. Uh, man. I mean, I think there's a couple things that I... Or something that, the... that every creative director should know. Oh, yeah. Another way to yeah. think about it, yeah. Absolutely. I, I think one of the keys about being a creative director that can be super hard is trying to find that balance between doing and guiding the doing, right? Yeah. Because as the clock ticks down, you're like, I, I, I can write the script. I, if, if we just got to write the script, I got to write yeah. the script. And you're just like resisting that urge to be like, no, I have to guide them towards the right thing here but if i just do it then i am completely wasting everyone's time and money and, I, right. and that's not the right way to do things yeah. so it's, it's it's finding that balance is so hard it really it really is i think depending on the execution or depending on the craft you know obviously you start as high as possible high level and try to give them as much de- you know the general direction and then you know, as time starts to take out, you get a little more specific if you need to executionally, but ideally, you know, you're able to bring that out of someone without having to hold their hand and um, let them take it from there. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was, you know, doing my, my research here about, about you guys and, and, you know, digging through uh, all this information here. Tell me about drugs for plants. <laughs> This is, this is super this is like super fascinating there it is you got all your props ready i love it tell 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 the audience about this because this is super cool uh tell us about drugs yeah and so this is our actual product our brand this is our first major product uh, and it's something we had always thought about doing for a while i think we originally you know we love working with clients. I think we also wanted something that we could have complete control over um, and really have as much creative flexibility without it being tied to you know performance or uh, bonuses that are very much important for the client, uh, but something that we could really fully own from a creative point of view, but also something that we were really passionate about as well. And so as we started to think about products, we looked at a, a range of CPG um uh, we brainstormed what 20 plus things. so many different options yeah um, th- something that we felt that we could differentiate with a really fun brand yeah and so it, as we got into the final three we came across the fact that plant care is plant care is boring I and mean, it's sleepy outside of the main uh 
product that we will not name that comes to mind when you think of fertilizer you know there's not really that many others yeah. that are that notable so we were like this is a wide open space that we could create a brand differentiated product almost like a liquid death of plant fertilizer yeah and uh it's something that's the slug line that's the slug yeah. it's, it's like the it's like liquid <laughs> i love it i love it yeah, well, yeah and it's also born out of a really fun um and true fact that during the pandemic the amount of plant owners us included uh really skyrocketed yeah and it was something that we wanted to make something that was relevant for us but also helped people keep their plants alive and was good for the environment um i mean you can say too this is compared to synthetic fertilizers this is um organic it's made from seaweed and it ultimately is better for plants and um ground soil across uh any sort of potted yeah plant. yeah there's a lot there's a lot going on here too right like we're passionate about the product we're passionate about the brand but also from like a major perspective it's like are we full of shit yeah. right like, you know you know we claim that right. a strong brand leads to strong sales yeah, and yeah. awareness is the way to grow a company and like, right and like we're putting our money right there in yeah. the right. Mix so it's now. almost like so it's almost like it's 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 a proof of concept of your own you know of your own you know secret sauce there right of the yeah. of the major yeah. yeah that's that's cool but it's also I gotta ima- I gotta imagine it's also a little bit scary because it's like oh shit what if we what if we can't do it I mean it's oh, like yeah. you guys are doing well but that's the thing <laughs> if we fail we failed twice. <laughs> <laughs> The thing that's interesting about this, too, is that I think what we realize is just how many other moving parts go into, obviously, a brand outside of just the promotion uh, and advertising component. You know, there's just so many factors that we have to consider that up until now, we had just been really focused on awareness campaigns for our, our clients for the most part. And so to have that full funnel marketing and understand how that works um, it's something we've always known about, but to really put it into practice for our own product has been, it's been eye opening. I mean, it's, it's yeah, a challenge. W- w- that's interesting. So, would you say that you've that you've gained kind of a a, a better empathy for for the client? Because because now you guys are sort of your own, you know, your own client. You know, that, which is kind of a funny. Uh, Brit paints a funny visual in my head of you sort of arguing with yourself <laughs> and telling yourself faster, cheaper, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. uh, but does it, does it get, has it given you more empathy and just a better understanding of, you know, what, what, what the brands that you work with might be going through? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's now we know what their sleepless nights feel like <laughs> it is, right. you know, and we know like it's 100% it's an empathy thing and I think that you know it it brings up kind of even a bigger point that we think about a lot where it's like to do this helps you put your own work into perspective which is super important it helps you sell work to clients it helps you make work that's more effective and more like it makes the budget mean something different and for a good reason and I think that that it, it helps you understand where you fit into the world as a creative to like be on the other side of that business uh, and and like it's I think it's such a good thing for people to do also I think at a creative director level or a senior creative level after a certain number of years in this industry like if you're creative, you have enough exposure to business uh, uh, mechanisms of business and marketing. Like more people should be doing this. Like more creatives should be doing this. Like it is, 
you know, there is a world, a wide, big world of opportunity out there. And like, there's something stifling about the culture that we've created in advertising to sort of silo people into these specialties. And I'm a, I'm a big believer in that sort of T-shaped. Sure, are you creative first and foremost? Yes, but I think that don't, don't ever underestimate your ability to figure out a manufacturer and figure out where packaging comes from and make a fucking TV spot and like make a business that you can you know fuel the growth of like more people should be doing this the fact that we yeah. can only say this is the liquid death of drugs of, of fertilizer is fucked up like that sentence should have a lot of options yeah and like right. I don't know, we're really passionate about that no and you're taking something that i that i've been talking about a, a lot recently of just making stuff right that we as creatives mm-hmm. don't make enough and i guess i was looking at it more of you know like you know i'm a musician a musician so i write songs and and things of that nature right so that's making stuff but you've kind of taken the make stuff to a whole new other level where it's like well make a product and i'm sort of venturing out you know with with the book but that you know kind of you're inspiring me to like what could i what could i create maybe i go back to that original idea of making the creative director a warehouse and selling you know shackets Creative uh, director <laughs> uniforms, like we we can scheme on that. Yeah, uh, I put I post I posted something on LinkedIn the other day to promote the book where it was like uh it was a like creative creative director starter pack and I had like an image mm-hmm. of uh, a black T-shirt, the, these glasses, and yep. it had uh, you know Converse, and then it was like it's only fourteen ninety five, and it's like you know shoes, shirt not included, you know, it's yeah. just the price of the book, but maybe that's uh, maybe that's what I'll what I'll do. Well, I mean, there's a clear blank space in professorial shackets, so if you could go after that first and foremost, that we'll be, your, we'll be your first. Customer. Yeah, we'll buy two off the out of the bat. Oh my gosh! So I want to I want to circle back to uh, to your mantra, right? Which is the boring will not be forgiven. Let Let's blow some shit up. Who's who's uh, who's being who's <laughs> who's being really boring? Like who? Who can we who can we pick on? Obviously, we've already started talking about the big uh, the big holding companies. But tell me more about like what's this all about? Like what's what's your mission to eradicate boringness? Or you know, let's let's talk about that. Let's get into it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we are so surrounded by white noise. Like it is just everything. I would say ninety five percent of the stuff that is put out by brands or agencies these days is like actually worthy of ire. Like it should make you angry that you are forced to look at this, like it's shit. Like it's, it's (laughs) like, I feel like I think about the limited number of days I have left on earth. And the fact that I have to look at this shit before I can watch a YouTube clip, like it's, it, nothing earns my attention like ever. Yeah. yeah. I, here's the deal. We're always going to be bombarded by advertising. It's not going anywhere. It is. I forget the statistic of how much you see on a daily basis. But we, if this is going to be a necessary part of evil, if you will, of life, it needs to be yeah. good. It can't be. If you're forced to watch something or you see anything, it has to provoke thought. It has to make you feel something. And so much of the things that Andrew was saying that we're bombarded with every day is just the lowest form of attention-seeking advertising. It's just forgettable yeah. and infuriating, really. So it's it's one of those things that we really want to um, rebel against as much as we can. Well, So what do you think 
because I totally agree with you. I mean, uh, you know, there's just just so much out there that's just it's just drivel, right? And it's not it has very little. I mean, it doesn't even do the job that it's supposed to do, uh, right? And, and it's not fun to watch. It's just annoying. Where, what, what's the breakdown? Is it is it is it the is it clients? Is it um, not just not having um, you know really creative people doing stuff? Is it fear? Is it you know what what is what's causing this in your yeah. opinion? Yeah, or maybe you know, it's probably a combination of all those things. But I think it's a lot of things for sure. I think that there's a couple main things that have driven this uh, shift towards mediocrity. I think we've seen over the last decade this false sense of measurability you know we had the rise mm. of these kind of you know social media platforms that gave you the illusion of being able to optimize for performance but so often you were optimizing against uh, something that no one wanted to look at in the first place. You're talking about single digits uh, because you're not making creative that anyone wants to look at. So you're you're optimizing creative that no one gives a shit about. And that's not a true test of effectiveness, right? And I think that when you have the, the, the boldness or the willingness to take big swings, um, you know, the average of those successes ends up being higher than sort of this kind of performance marketing, you know, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F testing into oblivion uh, that just results in sort of creative by algorithm. Like it's just not ever going to be bold enough to catch someone's attention, make a memory, make them feel something, which is what we all know is actually what works better. Mm. Yeah. So how do you, um, how do you convince, um, asking for a friend how do you <laughs> you know you come up with these I, I, i'm assuming that if somebody and brian is coming to you they already kind of know what they're what they're getting into working with you too um <laughs> but let's just say you know how how would you convince a a client to you know take some risks like what mm -hmm. what what do you say what do you do obviously you can present you know a great concept and they're like we love it but we'll never be able to get this past, you know, whoever, uh, the CMO or whatever. But so how, how do you convince them to take some risks? Yeah. I mean, I think it's about knowing your audience. And, and obviously, the bigger the organization, there's so many different audiences you have to speak to, right? Right. I think, it, you know, as we talk to our clients directly, um, I think the first thing that we try to do is just remind them that they're a human being and that we're a human being. We're all human beings that, like, have a very high bar for attention. And I think as much as you can pull them back to, but wait a minute, if you didn't give a shit about this brand that you work for, would you pay attention to this? And yeah. like helping them to continually remind themselves, you know, what is it like to be a customer, a consumer, someone who tries to ignore this as much as possible. Um, and then I think the second thing is the reality, you know, our work beats benchmarks like it just does like we have the numbers to show that when you make unconventional creative you beat the benchmarks for the performance in in the media channels that they want to spend their money in so it's it's a nice one-two punch one you get to can like remind them that they should be making something that they want to look at that they would be proud of that they would want to put their name on as well and b having the numbers to be able to back up that like 
listen, this campaign that we did for Vox beat View Through Records by 4X. You know, it, you know, being able to talk to both sides of the brain, really, uh, is, is so important. Yeah. Who do you think... Um are there some brands out there that you think do a really good job of, you know, of not being boring that are kind of um, breaking yeah. through there? We there's definitely uh, and I think an agency in particular, uh, Partyland. We always love Partyland. They do Matt Partyland. Hmm. Yeah, Shout outs to Matt Heath. Good guy. Great creative. Uh, but their latest campaign for Dave's Hot Chicken, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. Try before you die. And they position it, uh, these people who didn't get to try Dave's Hot Chicken because they died in the stupidest <laughs> way. And it's like, <laughs> I got to look this al- up. It's so good. Death is always, like, hilarious, but the... To be able to sell through these ideas and the way these people um, get killed is just, I mean, it was it's shocking in itself, but it's so funny. And that's the type of work that causes people to talk about it, but you remember it because you're just like, holy shit, how did they, how are they able to sell that there? Yeah. How did they get that done? Um, yeah. That type of work, I think, helps everybody. I mean, it makes everyone want to make more creative, creative work uh, that works. Yeah. I'll have to look that up, and I love that you guys are fans and 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 sort of, um, you know, shouting out your your uh, your compatriots and fellow and fellow non-boring agency types. But but I want to I want to make sure that you guys tell us like what what is the best example of work that you guys have done? Uh, tell me, you know, one of your favorite campaigns that you guys have done for one of your clients. Yeah. Oh man, I mean. The thing that I'm most proud of right now is the campaign we just released for Drugs for Plants. Okay. Exactly. It I is say the same exact thing. It is my favorite thing that we've ever made, I think. Um, basically, the insight was very simple. If we could hear, if our plants could actually talk to us, then what would they say? And, and like we all want to know what our plants would have to say to us. So we kind of took that and we made three spots where we have plants weeping, we have plants begging for relief, we have plants uh, singing in harmony, all while people can't even hear them. And like just creating that very simple tension, I don't know, I'm, I think, I'm, I, I like it, I like the work. It's really simple, <laughs> I love it. To, to your point, that tension of something in agony, screaming please, as someone's eating a piece of toast, completely ignoring them, uh, just captures it so well. And what we also did outside those spots is we actually did an experiential stunt, um, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> in McCarran Park. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah, we did a stunt in McCarran Park <laughs> where we um, we hit a speaker in a tree and made yeah. it cry. And in true New York City fashion, no matter how loud this tree sobbed, uh, <laughs> almost no one stopped. People looked. People were like, what am I looking at? Um People looked. People were like, what am I looking at? But very few people stopped. But for oh those that stopped, we had a little drugstore plants watering can, and if they watered the tree, the crying stopped. And we oh had, like, gosh. long lenses. We were capturing their reactions. People were just being like, what the fuck am I looking at? Um, it was super fun. But it's, like, it's, it's such, like, a simple, like, you know, we want to give voice to plants. And, like, that is a concept that we will be running with. For their, at least the rest of you know, another year. It's got, yeah. so, it's got so, so many legs. So many legs. And 
this idea of plants being people, if you will, giving voice to the voiceless, it can get so weird, so fun. So, we're, yeah, we're, we're really excited for it. That's cool. And I like that, you know, because I've spent a lot of time doing experiential, right? And, and I love that you guys added that and you turned that into content. And I think this is another part of the not being boring, right? Is that it's like it can it, it things can be more than TV spots, yes, right? And, mm-hmm. and I think that you know uh, a lot of uh, brands and a lot of agencies, it, that's their first thought. You know, new product, commercial. What are we going to do, right? Mm-hmm. Where you could probably stand out and do something really cool if you started with an experiential thing like that, an event, an experience, a hidden camera type of thing, and then turn that into a spot. But, you know, why do you think that that is, that the the first instinct is always to go for the TV spot? Hmm. And how do we change that? Because I don't want to, you know, there's just so much much more interesting things that you can do. And that's, I think, what people want, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it really is. And I think that 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 really even comes back to your earlier question around, you know, how do you sell this stuff into a client? Because I think the reality is a really good idea can come to life in so many different ways. And when you pay for that idea, the thing that, sure, it could be a TV spot, but it could be Screaming Trees. It could be, um, you know, a product. It could be a million different things because the core concept is so right. original and interesting. Um, you know, value for days as far as like an agency selling to a client and then it just becomes about all right well where do we want to put production dollars because this idea is insightful it's connected to the audience in a way that's going to get their attention it's not boring Mm -hmm. and now let's just decide what do we want it how do we want it to bring it to life like that is the conversation that i want to have every day i don't want to have a conversation about a billboard i want to have a conversation about an idea yeah and really connecting that idea to what makes the most sense for that type of brand. I yep. think drugs for plants in particular, that's just a, it makes the most sense to be out in the world with real life plants. It just was a great, great execution of it. Um, so keeping that in mind, what really ultimately makes the most sense, it might not be a TV spot, but it, whatever that idea is, how do you get it executed in the best way for the concept and for the brand? Yeah. And, and you know, I think one of the one of the issues why I, I certainly have struggled over the years to sell through concepts like that is because if it's if it's purely experiential, which is why I always say, if it's going to be a stunt or an experience or something, we have to capture it and we have to do something with that because <clears throat> otherwise it's just going to be a few people that experience that and then guess what they go well how much did we spend on it. You know, whatever the, the amount is and how many people c- came through and then they do the they do the math and they're oh that's too expensive. It's like, well, yeah, I guess if you think about it that way. But if we would have done something bigger with it, if we would have turned in that 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 experience into, uh, um, you know, a commercial or some kind of online online content, then now you're looking at, you know, millions of people experiencing it. Um, but that's, you know, I feel like there needs to be a better way to measure experiences, right? So that people mm-hmm. understand how valuable they are. Do you guys have, besides what you've done for your own brand, have you guys done other um, stunts and experiences and things like that? Definitely at previous agencies, I'd say for major, we've focused more on photo and video work photo and like, video yeah. yeah i'm yeah. trying to think if we've done a more experience i think we've stuff. done experiential for see what i'm major. doing here is i'm planting the seed for you guys to call me to 
well, well, well. See, well. see what I did there? I yeah. just, I just yeah. turned it on. It's, but no, I mean, I do think you know the more, uh, you know, the more that we get saturated to your point with all these things, pre-roll and. And mm-hmm. we're bombarded with with stuff. It's just so refreshing to like experience something in in real life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when it's surprising like that. Yeah. yeah. I think the other thing, like to your point around how do you sell this in and how do you measure it, I think that there's a lot of truth to this idea that if if you're in a category, and it's it's not blanket, obviously, but if you're in a category where people are buying more impulsively, more emotionally, um, having a brand personality is not like all bullshit like feeling like you understand who a brand is and how they you know align with your values or align what you want to think about yourself does matter and experiential is such a key way for the brand to act and right. i think whenever a brand is acting that is so much more interesting than a brand telling and right. like sitting like you're sitting on your couch scrolling it's a completely different experience to see what a brand does mm-hmm. and that is not something that can only be measured in that one-to-one view. Who, right. It, it's 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 important to build the body of action as a brand so that you start to build a reputation as yeah. someone. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, I think it was it was in a quote in some deck that we put together, and I think it was like Michael Eisner that said that a brand is is really the sum of all those millions of little things, yeah. those little engagements, those little interactions, right? So it's it's sort of a you know it's a culmination of all of that. For sure. It's such a longer term play. And that's something we often talk about with especially short or uh, excuse me, startups or smaller brands who do want quicker kind of returns. Um, There is so much value to that longer term, longer road of building a brand. And that takes time. It does take time. And um, like you said, one plus one plus one slowly builds and creates the, the brand that you want to be. Yeah. Time and consistency, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and showing up and being there, and and it, it to me, I equate it to like a real relationship, right? It's like you're more likely to to trust somebody if they're showing up to all the things that you like, right? Right. And it's like you start to see them, and then before you know it, you're kind of like having a conversation with them, and then before you you know it, you're you're best friends, and you're hanging out, and you're going to to the bar or whatever right it's just like that yeah. it's like you got to show up you got to be consistent right you got to be you're, you got to be the the person that you claim to be right you're la- you're that person or if you're a brand that's the that's the way that the brand behaves all the time and they're here consistently but yeah i agree that sometimes people think you know they're not seeing they're not seeing you know a change immediately they're like what's well, not working let's let's change gear no just you gotta you gotta hang tight and build yeah. uh build it up a little bit more um, what's next for you guys? I mean, you know, if assuming that drugs for plants keeps going, I mean, is that something that you you would you would give up the uh, you would give up the day job for and move um, go you know, all in on that? Never say never. I mean, we I think what we love about advertising is that it allows you to really tap into different targets of people and get experiences with uh, brands. And demographics and lifestyles that you would never normally do. I think that's what has always kept it so fun and interesting. Um, so I think we'd love to have drugs for plants succeed and also solve our agency. Um, I mean, that being said, if drugs for plants does blow up and requires our full time attention, is it the worst thing in the world? No, but yeah, ideally, cool. ideally we have we have both. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it all comes back to. Um 
the boring not being forgiven. I, I think that, you know, as long as we are able to make things that we think are genuinely good and interesting, whether it's through major, whether it's because of drugs or plants, like that is ultimately what drives us internally. And, and um, yeah, I think it could be both. It could be one. It could be more. I mean, maybe this is just the yeah. first major product. Who's to say? Yeah, that's right. Major brands. Major is brands. A, is a thing brands. that we need to buy the domain of before this airs. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Let me just go on. I love yeah, that, maybe man. this is the first of many for us, too. Who knows? Yeah. All right, so we've come to the moment. We've come to the time in the, sh- in the show where we have to pay off the title, Confessions of a Creative Director. So uh, I'll let you guys decide who goes first, or maybe it's something that you guys did, some kind of creative crime that you created that you did together i don't know but what do you want to get off your chest what do you want to confess to confess you know confess i feel like we always think about this or we've talked about this uh there's just no secret sauce there is no secret like what i feel like (laughs) here's what i'll say it this way we're fucking hacks. Like, <laughs> we're hacks. Hack. You're a hack. He's a hack. I'm a hack. Everyone is a fucking hack. And like, I think once you start to own that and realize that, like, that's fine. That's good, actually. Like, a person who is willing to like do the work and and figure things out and not give up until they make something they're proud of, regardless of whether or not they know how to do it, um, is it becomes a superpower. But uh, I think it's it's like fundamentally important for everyone to know that everyone else is a hack, and yeah. I will say it. Over I think and over once again. that <laughs> level of pretension is taken out, and it really just opens the door for unfiltered creativity. And I think there's something about acknowledging that no one has it figured out. That yes, you've had years of experience and you've gotten a lot better, but you can always learn. You can always improve. And everyone's kind of going through it, making it up as they go. Um, I think there's some real value to that. Uh, and no one has it all figured out ever. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I appreciate that you guys say that because, you know, so many times people, you know, you read stuff and everybody claims to have, you know, the, the secret formula to doing it. And, you know, I'm sure they have certain things and maybe that, that give them an advantage. But at the end of the day, you're right. You're just... And I, and I think I'd rather work with, I think I'd rather work with, you know, people, if I was a brand, I'd want to work with people that don't feel like they have it all figured out because that's where new thinking comes from, I think, right? It's from right. Try, trying things and, you know, and kind of pushing the, the envelope yeah. as it were. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's so true because at the end of the day, if you are just following the steps every time, you're always going to get the same output. Right. And then that isn't the creative that's going to get people's attention. So, like, you almost have to maintain this identity of faking it because mm. it's the only way you are going to keep from getting stagnant and keep from feeling like, ah, I got to figure it out. This is what you do and this is the output. You know, that's not. That's never going to come up with the best idea like, by by approaching it that way. I've just marked that. I just marked that little segment. That is going to be a little a little clip that we do that because that, that's uh, there we go. that's brilliant. 
Well, I'm, 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 you know, I'm super excited to have been connected with you guys. I'm, I'm uh, excited to follow your journey. What's the best way for people to learn about you guys? Uh, obviously, there's a website, or send them to Drugs for Plants. What do you, where do you, where do you uh, want people to come and check you guys out? Yeah, I think the, the probably the best way would be our agency website, major.agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has a list of all our case studies. It has drugs for plants on there, but that's probably our best bet. And then our Instagram, major agency, has a bunch of unhinged content that we try to post every couple months. Um, yeah. And that 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 will have links to other uh, to drugs for plants and handbook for hacks as well. Yeah, and if you want drugs for your plants, plant babies, yeah. drugsforplants.com. And yeah, if you want handbook for hacks, which will come out in March, handbookforhacks.com. We got so many websites. Oh, so it's- why did I think that? Uh, I, I, so that's not out yet. It's not out no. yet. Okay, so this, not, this, okay, this is blank. This show show them the pages. <laughs> This is fun. You're, hey, you're really living up to that mantra. Of, we're making it up as oh, we go along. Oh, you thought we actually wrote it? No. Uh, so this actually comes out in March. It's it being uh, printed right now. So yeah, uh, yeah, we're really pumped. Worked with a really talented illustrator as well, uh, Maria Contreras, and then worked with a Berlin-based design agency called Formal Settings. Um, and yeah, we're we're stoked. So March twenty twenty three, you can pre order on handbookforx.com. Yeah. And we'll get these babies out uh, come March. Yeah, I know I'm I'm gonna go and and, uh, and and sign up for that for sure. I I wanted I thought it was already right. I wanted to I'm like sending you one of these right now. I thought I was Hell gonna yeah. get one in return. You're just gonna <laughs> send me a blank book. We'll send you one well, of our many blanks. Well, yeah. Wouldn't that be <laughs> wouldn't that be like the, the wouldn't that be so like What's the word I'm looking for? I guess not meta, but wouldn't that be so crazy if the book was actually just blank? <laughs> yeah. And that was then you sold it and it was like this is this is the book. There it's gonna is tell no you everything. There is no You go to the middle, there is no secret. Oh my god. Oh my god. And you paid twenty five dollars for that. Right? I'm, I don't know. That could that could that could yeah, actually be a thing. Yeah. That could be a thing. But anyway, uh, Andrew, Dave, thank you for making the time. I certainly enjoyed it. I hope we can, uh, you know, chat from time to time and and just uh, commiserate and and, and uh, continue to inspire each other. I, I certainly am inspired by this idea of like, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a brand. And, and to your point, like, I'm gonna find out if I'm full of shit or not. <laughs> Um, but I, I just got to figure out what that what that brand is. I have ideas all the time. My wife thinks I'm crazy, but I just need to follow through on one. But yeah, super inspiring. I think uh, the audience is going to get a big kick out of you too. And uh, I wish you continued success. And uh, yeah, let's keep talking. Awesome. Thank you so much for having us. We we really enjoyed it. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much. All right, you got it. We'll talk to you guys soon. Sounds right. good. Thanks. Bye. See you. And there you have it, folks, another episode of Confessions of a Creative Director in the books. Thanks to my very special guests. I know I'm fired up. Uh, These guys are amazing. I'm picking up Handbook for Hacks. I'm going to get the drugs for plants. I'm going to open up the Creative Director's uh, Warehouse. I'm super fired up. Thank you guys for being on the show. If you would, folks, do me a favor. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow me on LinkedIn for all kinds of great tips and tricks and musings and meanderings from yours truly and and others as well. Um, And tell your friends about the book. Pick up the book. It's available on Amazon. It's a short read. I think it's uh, jam-packed with all kinds of great information that you can use 
to become a kick-ass creative director. Well, until next time, peace, love, and creativity. See ya.